Hey, everybody, this is Brian Zimmerman, digital content editor of Jazz Is Magazine, here to introduce another episode of Jazz Is Not What You Think. We're going to get into it in a minute, but first, I'd like to thank some of this episode's sponsors. They include Cobuzz.com, the world's largest catalog of streaming music in studio quality high res. You can stream all of your music in the highest possible quality starting at just $9.99 per month. Visit on.cobuzz.com slash jazzis to learn more. That's Koba spelled Q-O-B-U-Z dot com. Thanks also to Prairie Star Records. They've got a new album right now by vocalist Patrice Jegu. It's called If This Ain't Love. You can check her out online at patricejegu.com. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-E-J-E-G-O-U.com. All right, and our guest on the podcast today is Becca Stevens, a singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist who has made a career of testing the limits of her musical identity. Stevens's unique artistic vision, cultivated across four albums as a leader, draws from a variety of genres, from jazz to Irish folk to indie rock. Her latest leader project is the five-track EP Wonderbloom, which is due out in November. A full-length album of the same name is set to follow in March. On it, the North Carolina-bred, Brooklyn-based artist promises that she will once again defy all expectations, this time dreaming up a groove-heavy, dance-ready sound infused with elements of pop and funk and R&B. If it's anything like her previous albums, Wonderbloom will also serve as a showcase for Stevens's precise and penetrating lyricism. As she has proven across her own albums and through collaborations with Snarky Puppy, David Crosby, Esperanza Spaulding, and Jacob Collier, Stevens is the kind of songwriter who creates deep connections with her listeners through clear, honest language and profoundly simple melodies. In this episode, she discusses the making of her new album with jazz's publisher, Michael Fagan. It's a fascinating interview. I know you're going to love it. Let's go ahead and kick it over to Becca Stevens and Michael Fagan. This is Becca Stevens, and you're listening to Jazz Is... Not what you think. Over the years, you know, it, what's interesting is to start out, you you were born the same year Jazz's magazine launched. Whoa. Yeah, that makes me really old. Um, but one of, <laughs> one of the things that's been really great is... Um, over the years, I, I I can count less than a handful of of singers that I I listened to and said, "Here's something really special. Here's something really different. Here's something that someone who's going to make make great music." And and this is even from your early projects. And and one of one of those singers was you. Oh. And and um, I can tell you that you know years ago um, I met a, a a wonderful woman who. You probably know Jonathan Brooke. Yeah. And and, and she was a, a singer-songwriter that really inspired me. There was sort of this jazzy thing, but not jazz thing going on. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other one of the other singers that comes to mind was was Nora. I mean, uh, the the yeah. Uh, the, there's a, a a short story I'll tell you about Nora. Then we'll, then of course we'll shift to you. Um, in my other profession as a, as a nuclear radiologist, um, someone I work closely with uh, uh, handed me a CD one day and she said, I'd like you to take a listen to my niece. And, you know, at the time I owned a record company and, and as a, a publisher and editor of a, of a jazz magazine, I'd get 
things to listen to all the time, as I'm sure you do. Right. And and I and I threw the CD in my my glove compartment in my car and uh, didn't listen to it for several months. And then one day driving home, I said I wanted to listen to something, so I pulled out this CD and popped it in, and it was like, whoa, what is this? Mm-hmm. And um, I pulled out the CD and I saw handwritten on the CD it was it was uh, Nora Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had never heard Nora Jones at the time. So the next day when I went into work, I talked to Elaine, who was Nora's aunt. Uh, and I said, uh, I listened to your niece. She's amazing. And uh, she said, oh, do you think you could sign her to your record label? And I said, well, actually, I just sold the label to Universal. So I can't because I'm not signing any artists anymore. But right. there's a guy that I know who is brilliant in the music industry. He will get this in a second. His name is Bruce Lundvall. You need to call him. Uh-huh. And, and, of course, the rest is history. But, you know, it, the reason I, I tell you that story is that um, I had that same feeling when I heard your music. And, and there's something about it that you certainly draw from jazz, but you draw from, you know, African music and Appalachian folk and Irish music and pop. And I hear indie rock in there. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you stay focused with all those interests? I mean, I think the the compass is just that I I do I write what I love and I write what inspires me and I'm inspired by all of those things. Uh, but if I keep my focus on just following what feels authentic, then so far um, it's worked as far as far as like there being a common thread. The common thread is is me. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and um, you know, it, it's funny because the, you know, I, I'm trying to think of another singer songwriter that I could think of that you are as serious as can be at certain moments. And then at other moments, it's all about having fun. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, and I, I see you, uh, you know, where I've seen you and, and I've not seen you live yet in person, but. Um, I've seen you having the most fun with Jacob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, t- so tell yeah. me how, tell me, tell me how you and Jacob met and what that's all about. Because I'm, I'm also, uh, you know, I, I love Jacob's work. Who doesn't? Right. Um, yeah, the, it's funny that you, that you said that because um, I've been thinking about exactly that a lot lately on on this new record that I'm finishing. Um, um, it's been way more collaborative than anything that I've ever done of my own, you know? Like I'm used to collaborating with other people and then when I make a record, it's this very solitary, serious thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, historically, even when I was a young teenager or something, the, the songs that I would write and the little records that I would burn on CDs for my family were, um, so serious that people would worry about me, <laughs> especially because they, these songs were coming from a seemingly very extroverted, happy, um, silly little girl. And then I would write these like very, very serious, dark, introverted songs. And it's taken me years to get to a place where I am comfortable taking myself less seriously in music and also, um, being less precious and less controlled and and sort of solitary about the process. Mm -hmm. And um, as I'm finishing this new 
record, I'm kind of patting myself on the back because I, um, going into it, set one goal, well, sort of two goals for myself to have fun and to collaborate, which is completely foreign for me. For years, I've written music by myself and then brought it to my band. So there is the collaborative element, but as far as like um, collaborating during the process of of the songs being put together, that was totally foreign for me. And I have to say that it um, it paid off tenfold. Every every moment that I opened myself up to this collaborative energy on the record somehow brought the music, made it even more me than mm-hmm. ever. Like um, like it incorporated that fun side that Jacob activates when I collaborate with him, and uh, the fun side of my person personality that is truly like the outward part of my personality, the part of me that comes out when I'm with people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think Jacob also, like we, we are, we have very kindred souls musically and as friends. And, um, when we get together, it's sort of like two kids that took their dad's video camera out into, you know, the backyard for a day and are just like making a video for no reason like it it feels like we're just playing you know yeah playing and and wonderful music is is the outcome well i don't think jacob could make any music that's not wonderful i know i know i I totally agree um so jacob and i met um at the snarky puppy family dinner volume two recording session uh-huh. Um, so we were both special guests on that. And, um, but it's, it, we both joke about how it, f- it didn't feel like that was when we met because we just sort of picked, picked up running. Um, mm-hmm. when I first saw his face, like we just kind of, we, we already were aware of each other and, and we just instantly became friends and felt like almost like siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we we kept in touch after that. That was that was a pretty profound um, experience for me because I in in one day I met Lauren Bula, Jacob Collier, David Crosby, um, Michelle Willis, all these people who were the main collaborators on my last record, Regina, and mm-hmm. Michelle, who now is my best friend on the planet and plays in my band and. We also play in David Crosby's Lighthouse Band together right, right, as well. Right, that's some serious company. Yeah, Michelle. Uh, Michelle plays in my band, and we also play in David Crosby's Lighthouse Band together. And we're just, you know, kind of on the road. We're like inseparable sister folk. Um, she's yeah, she's easily one of my favorite humans on the planet. I adore her. Everyone needs someone like that. Yeah, we do. That's great. Yeah. So, so, so the new record, it's, it's, I haven't heard it. Um, probably because you haven't sent it to anybody yet. <laughs> I'd be happy uh, to share it with you. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Cause, yeah. cause from, you know, the only, I've read a couple things about it and it, it, you know, when I hear it's a departure from something you've done before, I'm like, give me some of that. <laughs> and, and, and I, I think that if there's one thing that I'm kind of gathering from listening to your projects, yeah. is that you're you're always moving and and 
And yeah. so, you know, it kind of reminds me of some of the some of the great bands that I grew up with that yeah. I was looking forward to their next project because I know it wasn't going to be like their last. That is exactly how I feel about my favorite artists. I couldn't have said it better. And, and who are some of your favorite artists? Um, Bjork comes to mind every sure. time you know she's putting out a record. It's it's not going to be something that you expect. And sometimes with Bjork, it even takes me a couple years to catch up with what, like with just grasping what she's done yeah. and appreciating it. You know, yeah. she she really stretches. And um, Joni Mitchell is another uh, one that. Um, I mean, I I didn't have uh, the the luxury of 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 growing with her records because they were before my time a little bit. Um, but even so, it's taken me years to go through her catalog and and like transition with her from album to album like there were there were albums that in my teens and early 20s didn't speak to me yet I had to like get older to listen to her <laughs> to her stuff that she re recorded in the the 80s and 90s and um now chalk mark in a rainstorm is one of my favorite things that she's ever done whereas yeah. when I was in high school I was like ew it sounds all 80s <laughs> <laughs> and um Radiohead is another yeah. band that I feel that way about um yeah I mean Prince I could yeah. I could go on all day yeah in the in the in sort of the more jazz world um Espy um, oh totally oh yeah I was just watching the videos from her new record and just so blown away by her and yet it's all still so authentically and uniquely her. Like she's not stretching so far that you're going, ooh, she, you know, she's going too far in the pop direction. No, she keeps it espy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you, it's the mutual admiration. She's a huge fan of yours too. I love her so much. Yeah, she is wonderful. I love her too. Yeah. Um, so, so you're in New York now, but you know, you grew up in North Carolina. So tell me about the uh, culture shock. <laughs> I remember when I when I moved here for college, um, even though I used to come to New York to visit my sister a lot, um, my first week here living in the dorm, I would I, I wasn't able to sleep. There's the energy here was palpable. And I would go out and wander towards Union Square and just walk around like a kid in a candy shop, just totally buzzing off of the um there's just like the, I feel like I, I hear someone getting text messages. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Jeffrey's texting me that everything's good. Oh, good. <laughs> Jeffrey, I thought it was. I was looking at my phone like, am I sending text messages right now? <laughs> well, we we're gonna have to say it again, Jeffrey. We are Becca and I are both here just to make you happy, okay? Because <laughs> I know he's listening. Um, so so again, New York. So and because when I when I think of someone growing up in North Carolina. Yeah, ring, ding, 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 ding. I do. I'm look. I I, I, I spent a lot of time at, at, at uh, one of my mentors in medicine was at Duke. And, oh yeah. And so you know, I've 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 spent time in North Carolina. It really reminded me of where I went to school in Gainesville, Florida. It was oh yeah, very similar kind of, you know, growing up in that area. Not yeah. It's in Florida, but it doesn't seem like Florida at all. And it it, it's it's a little bit rural. And uh -huh. I grew, you know, I spent 25 years of my life in a, in a rural town, 
Um, and yet at the same time, I'm, I'm, you know, born and raised in New Jersey. So, um, interesting. So, so the, the, what I've learned is living in both worlds. Uh, You know, when, when I'm, I remember when I was the the chief of a department at the university of Florida and, Mm. and a lot of my colleagues were from the South and I, I guess for lack of a, I hope it doesn't come across as derogatory. They're kind of good old boys. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and they, uh, they kind of, they perceive me as a New Yorker and, and, and I don't think I have a New York accent at all. Same. Um, yeah. But, but when I'm in New York, um, my, my friends would say, you got a little Southern thing going on there. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, and, and do you feel like that sometimes? Yeah. Especially with my family, they, they, they tease me for being a Yankee because I've lived in New York for 17 years now, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy because I, I don't feel like I've been here that long. Um, and then before that, I was at art school in North Carolina for a couple of years. And before that was at a boarding school in New Jersey. So um, I'm 35. So if you add New York to New Jersey, and subtract it from my life. I've been up north for more of my life than I was in North Carolina. Even though I really do feel like North Carolina is my roots, and musically, North Carolina is definitely um, where I'm coming from. You know, I, I grew up on like Appalachian and Irish folk music, and as well as really beautiful composers that my dad um, exposed us to. And he's a composer as well. And he also was a folk musician when he was my age, like multi-instrumentalist. So we had every, every folk instrument that you can imagine around the house. He has like a, a closet of guitars and fiddles and a hammer dulcimer and a hurdy gurdy and, wow. um, you know, mandolins, banjos, fiddles, anything you can imagine. It's, it's all there. It's, so, so, so that really kind of explains the ukulele and the charango. You would, you could say so. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't, he, he never played ukulele when growing up and ukulele was something that I always, um, I sort of dreamt of having one for a long time when I was playing guitar, just because I would go on these walks or hikes to go write a song in the woods or something. And I was like, mm, this would be easier with a smaller instrument. <laughs> there, the, that, 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 that wasn't even Jeffrey. Sorry. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, this is, I'm glad, <laughs> glad that my car alarm didn't go off. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you about, because you, you're obviously multiple string instruments uh, is is your thing. Um, so I see that with going back to Jacob for a second. You know, he yeah. seems to, although he's multi-instrumentalist, he loves to play guitar. Have you guys ever done like the dueling banjos thing? Yeah. Um, there's a song on Regina. Okay. So that's my cover of Stevie Wonder's As. as yeah, As. I and saw that. That's sort of like the... Uh, the sweet version of dueling banjos in a way. Although I often feel when I'm playing with Jacob that I take on more of the, the Gillian Welch to his David Rawlings. I like <laughs> to be the, the anchor. I'm really comfortable being the anchor and he's, you know, obviously comfortable doing anything. <laughs> uh, so. I, you know, the, but, but the, the, now the charango is, is a, is a, is a beautiful instrument. It's, mm. It's and I kind of when I when I watch you play it, it's sort of like your baby. 
it is. Um, <laughs> any, yeah, any, any uniquenesses in playing that versus, you know, guitar or ukulele? Oh, gosh, so many. Um, the, the doubled strings give it a very heavenly effect. Um, and the fact that they're nylon doubled strings, um, it's such a bright but like warm magical sound to me yeah. and the registers of the strings unfortunately <laughs> make it so that it speaks a completely different language to my ear as a songwriter than the ukulele i mean mm -hmm. on paper it it looks like i should be able to play the same songs on both instruments which would mean only bringing one tiny instrument <laughs> on my airplane bag. <laughs> mm -hmm. But now you now you have three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to travel with minimum to play all my songs, you know, on uh, these records that I'm touring. I have to travel with minimum guitar, ukulele, and tarango, which oh, wow. makes for um, very eventful and stressful days at the airport every day on the road. But, you know, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> but the charango was something that I just happened upon um, at that shop called The Music Inn in the village. I'm sure you've yeah. walked by it a thousand yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those places where you have to, like, you know, shimmy sideways to get through the, like, hallway of... of clutter. Of clutter. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I know. And I and so I was doing that. And it used to be way more cluttered back when I was in college. Um, I think they've organized it a little bit. But um, I was in there just, I think I was looking for a Cora at the time, um, uh -huh. which I eventually bought a Cora from um, a West African musician in Washington Square Park who like sold it to me and gave me lessons in the park. But um I was in there, yeah, I think I was looking for a Cora, and then I I glanced up and I saw a traditional Tarango, you know, the ones that are made out of armadillo shells? Yes, yes, yes. Like, with the hair still on it? I, I yeah. don't think you can do that anymore. Like, it's illegal now, but this was one of the, the few that I've come across that I had the opportunity to buy, and I chose instead to get a wooden one that was hanging right next to it because it just sang so much um, more clearly. Like, it was... Uh -huh. Yeah. much louder and brighter. And um, <clears throat> I think I, f I fell in love with the sound first, but then when I found out that it's, you know, G-C-E-A-E -E, and ukuleles, G-C-E-A, and then also if you put a capo on the fifth fret of the guitar, it's the, t the, high four, the top four strings are G-C-E-A. So I have in my left hand the same language on every instrument. I can... If I ignore the fact that it's in a different key, <laughs> I'm right. playing. I'm playing. I can play the same shapes and it's intervallically um, the same relationships. So, uh -huh. yeah. So it was it was exciting to, but really more than anything, when I when I find a new instrument that I love, it's it's usually because I I pick it up. And I just start to like improvise, noodle around on the strings. And then I'll be like, oh, no, there's a song. Now I have to buy this instrument so I can finish the song. And so these little, these little, uh, now this is going to sound terrible, these little guitars, um, uh -huh. the, the, you know, the, 
the ukulele is an interesting instrument as well because you know most people i think when they think of a ukulele they think of tiny tim or hawaii yeah exactly and and yet you make it so musical and i remember the first time i i and, and this was much later in life but when I saw someone play a ukulele and I finally got it, that I took mm. it out of the and tiny tip thing. It was actually when George Harrison died, there was a, a George Harrison tribute. And when McCartney got on stage, he took a uke and he started telling the story about how he and George wrote, uh, well, how, how they used to play this song. And it was something. And he did it on uke. Mm. And then it blossoms into this, you know, gigantic song and Mm -hmm. i was like oh wow the ukulele is a very cool instrument it's so cool i love ukulele and i i find that when i'm playing a song solo there's something really beautiful about the pairing especially with like the way that i play on the ukulele um which is like a little more linear than boom chuck a boom chuck yeah um but the pairing of that style of playing the ukulele and then the female voice, it's this really nice package. Um, not to call my, not to say I have a nice package. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, the, the, uh, you know, I, I just want to brag and say that I, I do have some credentials in the guitar world. I'm the worst guitarist on the planet. Um, well, at least you're the best at something. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, and and actually, I, I I started at a really young age. I mean, I started, I think I was less than ten years old playing the guitar, but I never took it seriously. And so, what happened when I got older? I just started collecting guitars, and and then my my kids would you know take them to college and sell them. What? Um, yes. That's not okay. No, it's totally. At least at least I just steal my dad's guitars. You can't <laughs> sell them. Did you get the money for it? I don't know if anything is a I don't know if either one of those is a lesser crime. Um yeah. but, well he but, gets to at least like follow follow its adventures on the internet, you know? Well, yeah, and he also watched his daughter become a fabulous artist. You should talk to him. He's fun he would be fun to talk to. I you know, I, I would love to have a father and daughter podcast because there there's some there's an interaction where you know i'm i'm the the outside person Uh and and you're really talking to each other and i'm just sort of um refereeing well i think that every year on father's day maybe on the first episode you you interview your own children and then every father's day after that you could choose an artist and have their father come and be on podcast. Uh, I, I, I think that's a great idea. You're not going to patent that or anything. I can use it. I'm giving it to you. Ah, oh, see? Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> you want, so, <laughs> so tell me, uh, now I tried to look this up. You have children? No. No children. Mm-mm. Okay. Because I, I saw references to children, like My Girls, and, and, and I was that's thinking... That's an Animal Collective song. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That one, that, yeah, that's a cover from Waitlist. And I have nieces and nephews that I often feature in my music videos who look exactly like me. <laughs> that's that, that and, and that's where I'm coming from. I said, you know, I didn't know you had children, but you, yeah. ref, you reference them. I love children, and I would love to have them soon, but I don't have any in my womb or in my life. 
Well, um, I have six. What? Yeah, yeah. It's it's which is why I have no longer have any guitars. I was just gonna make the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's now my oldest uh, is twenty nine. My, my my youngest is eighteen months. What? Yes, it's pretty. That pretty is good. quite the span of children ages. It, it is. Um, wow. It's insane. But I can tell you, at having a having young children at an older age is such a blessing. Hmm. It's like I finally get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing. Um. Tell me about the lighthouse band. You, um, yeah. You speaking the... of people who have six children, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's see. So I, I was telling you, I met David. I'll tell you the whole thing. You okay. just you can chop it up and take the parts you want. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll I'll bring it on. <laughs> okay. Um, so the the moment that I met David, are, are curse words allowed on this show? Absolutely. We encourage okay. them. Okay, fuck it. Um, <laughs> so the moment that I met David Crosby, I was rehearsing with, I was rehearsing my song, I Asked, which uh -huh. um, which is on Perfect Animal. I recorded it, and then Mike did this arrangement of it for family dinner. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I just kind of waltz in with my charango, and I'm playing the song the way I always have and hearing it in a completely different universe, you know, just like my mind is being blown by this experience and hearing all the horns and the percussionists and the two drum players and all the keyboards and um, and sort of aware that there's um, like these kind of ra ra seats, riser seats behind me um, and uh -huh. some people that are just listening in but my focus is forward and they're behind me. Right. Uh -huh. And then I see someone like peripherally kind of sauntering up behind me and taps me on, on the shoulder and I turn around and it's David Crosby. Wow. And, um, I, I have to admit that I didn't grow up listening to his music. I know who he is. And I knew that there would be this like super famous guy, you know, on everybody's like, can you believe David Crosby said yes to this? And I'm like, I'm like, okay, so I know who, I know the, <laughs> I can think of like one or two at that point, Crosby, Stills and Nash or Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young songs, but that's about it. You know, like mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really grow up knowing who he was. Um, uh, but, but I turned around and obviously like recognized who it was. And he was like, it, I don't even think he introduced himself. I think he just immediately said, you're fucking weird. <laughs> and then he followed that with we should write a song together <laughs> he might maybe he said you're a fucking weirdo and, and then we should write a song together and i was like i like this guy yeah and um and i didn't make much of it i just figured like oh he says that to all weird girls that he meets you know mm -hmm. and um but he followed through and you know about a week after about a week after the, the thing ended, he sent me an email with a folder in it that had a bunch of his lyrics that have never been set to music. And um, he just trusted me. And he sent he sent me all these lyrics and he said, pick, pick whichever one you want and work on something and send it back to me. And I got a really bad flu after that 
um, after that week, I, my, my body just got tired of being on tour and performing every day. And I think I got sick for like two weeks mm-hmm. and I remember getting tired of being sick and I started, I started working on one of those lyrics and came up with the, this really weird setting of one of his songs. It's, he calls the, the poem by the light of common day. Mm-hmm. And I, I changed the title to the muse. Cause at the time I was writing music for, um, Regina, which is all inspired by the word queen. And sure. I wanted the, the muse to be like the queen of the, of the process or of the arts. So, um, I recorded that song on my record, Regina, and he came and sang on it. And then he also recorded the song on his record, which was called Lighthouse. So this is pre-Lighthouse band. The record mm. was called Lighthouse. And on that track, which is the only track that this happened on that record, he invited me to come sing on that song and Michelle Willis to come sing and um, and then Mike League was producing it and playing on it as well. And I think that when they were listening back specifically to that song and that recording, they had the idea, well, what if this is the touring band for this record? And um, so we ended up, the four of us toured the music from that record. And that tour was like, you know, it was like a David Crosby record and this, and we became the lighthouse band because mm-hmm. just like you would say like, Oh, the touring band for whatever album title. But then after that tour, um, David wanted this band to evolve into more of a collaborative thing, like more like the Crosby stills and Nash vibe where everybody's writing, everybody's bringing to the table. Um, we wrote songs together. We wrote, songs in like duos and trios and and things came to life in the studio in this very collaborative way even the arranging was done together and you know Mike League still served as like the MD but Mm -hmm. um but Lighthouse all came out of that that song wow wow and and so you know we all you know who have followed Crosby, Stills and Nash knew that, you know, back in the day, he wasn't the easiest person in the world to deal with, but he seemed (laughs) to mellow quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, he is one of my favorite people ever. I freaking adore him. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course I've heard the stories. He tells me crazy stories. I love hearing stories about his life. And I think he also likes the fact that I, I am. I wasn't like a super fan when I met him, and so our our love is based off of me just loving him as a person. Like there, it's it's not really inspired by anything else other than I just he's family. Like I lo- I love him, and I love his wife, and I love his son, and I just I truly truly like unconditionally love them. You know. Yeah, there's there's something quite magical about the fact that you came after he was a star and that didn't that didn't that didn't change your perception of him it's the perception of him now well not only did i come after he was a star but i grew up in this weird musical bubble like a lot of my friends my husband for example their his parents had one cd in the car and it was crosby stills nash and young like they listened to David Crosby every day when he was a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, or like people often grow up listening to the Beatles with their parents or mm-hmm. whatever else. And I, 
I grew up listening to like, you know, we would we would request. We didn't know the name of the song, but we would request like G Spot Tornado by Frank Zappa in the mm-hmm. car, mm-hmm. and these like really weird, obscure um, Irish folk fusion songs and um, bar talk, string quartets, and um, just like totally random stuff. And I grew up <laughs> with that being normal. And it wasn't until I think I was like a a teenager or something when I was like, oh, I'm not normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually, you know, I grew up, um, you know, I bought uh, their, I can't remember the, the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album um, with Carry On. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, what was the name of that? Uh, I'm blanking on names today, but it was, it was kind yeah. of a brown cover and it was, just something that was very um as far as my musical tastes it actually helped refine my tastes like going to a good restaurant and eating something and refining your palate it refined my palate of music and i think it was indelible and and it questions yeah the way i questions yeah it's the way I, i i thought about music after that from from that album and a couple of the albums they did at the time that were truly uh you know breakthrough musically uh Mm. as well as you know they became stars as everyone knows well that's great well he you know he's that it's interesting to hear that uh that you are are what's the the um there's a what's that saying i think it was from uh rockefeller it's better to make a a friendship out of business than a business out of friendship Ooh, i could stand behind that yeah yeah. Wow, I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think it was maybe uh, John D. Rockefeller quote. Um, yeah, but absolutely true. You know, the other thing that um, was sort of a I had to step back and say, okay, yeah, I, I really do love this singer. Um, when uh, Billy Billy Childs uh, did oh, the Euro yeah. Project, and I heard your version of the Confession, oh, and yeah. I said, you know, and and, and here's. I mean, I, I'm not blowing smoke here. You know, when 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 I hear people do covers, um, I always cringe. And the reason is, is because if they're they're really smart, they're going to do covers of really great songs. Mm. And if the songs are really great, then you have some serious shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. And yet, when I hear you do covers, they 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 come pretty naturally. And 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 I think mm. maybe it's because you pick them right. You can. Correct me if I'm wrong, but but when I heard that, I was like, you know, I really like the original, but I actually like this version better. Whoa, cool! And yeah, that was... I didn't I didn't pick that. Billy Billy did, but um, <clears throat> my I think what works for me with covers, I'm not going to say that I know what's right and wrong in this because to each their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my instinct and my taste when it comes to covers, I, I think it's a waste of space (laughs) to like take something that's already been done and do it the same way that it's been done before. Um, a waste of space and time. Um, that's just my opinion. I, I I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I mean, I think it degrades the original. Like I think it takes an original creation and then just starts to like crumble the structure of it. Like there's no, there's no reason to do that. And although um, it, it could be an interesting approach at a bar mitzvah. Yeah. 
Right. Exactly. Like, if you want to do it the same way, it's fine. Which is unfortunately where all the money is, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but my my instinct, whether I'm you know singing a, a a song, and that's another actually example. I didn't grow up knowing who Laura Nero was, and I'm embarrassed to say that there were several people who came up to me after shows and said, "You have to listen to this woman, Laura Nero," and I had it on like. A piece of paper that I had in a folder that I looked at every day and then I lost it and you know it wasn't until Billy called me for that gig that I finally went deep into the Laura Nero um tunnel and you know I'm still in there but yeah. uh <laughs> hard anyway, to get out <laughs> yeah but uh when I'm approaching singing someone else's song or arranging a cover for my own band my goal is to find a way to capture in my way, like in with my goggles, the integrity of the original, and then to present it in my authentic way through my voice so that I'm bringing that to the table. And as long, same thing with like, if I'm writing, if I follow what inspires me and what is truly me, then that comment, that will work at least it'll be convincing in some way even if you don't like it it's convincing because I'm being myself and so um so I try to do the same thing with covers but just with the added element of really um taste like delicately and and hopefully tastefully maintaining the integrity of the original I don't want to like stomp on Laura's vibe and I don't want to you know mangle Bjork's vibe when I was singing in the Bjorkestra and things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, and and the uh, kiss from a rose, you 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 just <laughs> magically approached that because Aww. you know it was one of these things where what I loved about that is if you weren't looking at the tracks, what was next, and that came up for the first couple of bars, it's like okay, where's this going? <laughs> because it was it was it was so not the original, and yet. <laughs> Yet it's segued into it beautifully. And some and songs. I, oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, no one wants yeah. to hear me. No, talk. no, yeah, no. <laughs> no, you, your turn. My turn. Some songs that I've chosen to cover were songs that I never even was like a fan of, but I just heard them maybe at the grocery store or in an elevator or something and just got chills and saw a window into like an awesome way to approach it. Some songs I chose because I loved them and I wanted to play them. And some songs I chose for like almost like a nostalgia factor. And that was definitely one of those songs where, I mean, when I was, I, I was probably 10 years old when that song came out. I remember I was on um, a tour bus <laughs> um, touring an off-Broadway national tour of The Secret Garden. Wow. And I had, I had one CD. It was Desiree. You gotta be, you yeah. gotta be bad. You gotta, <laughs> you know. And I like listened to that song on repeat. But then my mom had one CD, and it was um, Seal, the one with Kiss from Rose on it. Yeah. And so I would sort of like alternate those CDs. Um, and so that was like a very nostalgic song for me. And I also know that um, when when a song is nostalgic for me, chances are that it's going to be nostalgic for a large percentage of anyone in my generation and older. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, so <laughs> I think I was like, 
I heard that song on the radio or in a grocery store or something, or maybe it was just in my head and then I was doing the dishes and then that, that intro just kind of popped into my head, which side note, dishes, like doing dishes and taking showers and baths for some reason are where a lot of my best ideas come from. Wow. Well, so, so (laughs) continuing that thought, I know this is going to sound even more weird, um, is that, um, I remember getting the advance of that Seal album from from Warner, Um, and I was taking a shower. I had just installed. No way. I had just installed a back. You know, this was. I want to say it was the late '80s. Yeah, late '80s. Uh, I just installed a um, one of those multi-zone audio systems. You know, I'm kind of a music and an audio freak where I, I had all this equipment that I could listen to pull music into the bathroom with a remote control. Of course, none of this sounds really high tech now, Whoa. but back back in the 80s, it was huge. And I got an advance from Warner of, I think it was this, this was the second Seal album. Uh-huh. And, and um, I, I, I put it on and then got in the shower. Of course, I wasn't getting any ideas, but I, I literally, uh-huh. I sat in the shower with the water running, listening to this album. And I said, you know, I really liked his first album, but this album is an album that will, you know, be be with us forever. <laughs> the, the music on that album was just so, like we were talking about earlier, it was so refreshing and different from mm-hmm. things that I'd heard before. So the fact that you picked that song, it was kind of, I was excited to see that. Well, not to get too spiritual, okay. but maybe, no. maybe the water that was running out of your shower is the same water that was running out of my sink um 20 years later or 10 15 years later i think i think you're onto something there i think (laughs) but i think mine was well water um it's all the same right it got like evaporated went up into the clouds and then over time traveled harlem (laughs) (laughs) so so you know i now again not being a musician because remember i'm a guitar player but a really bad one and um i actually save um songs in a folder whatever streaming service i'm using i i use deezer spotify cobuzz whatever oh i thought you meant like a manila folder no no damn well yeah i i I do have those too but this i i save um songs that i think should be redone Hmm. like someone someone should do these do you do that do you ever hear i do yeah i have a folder called songs to cover and then i get really upset when someone else does them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like i had um do you, do you call them with death threats or anything i mean i i jacob stole he didn't steal it from me but he covered all night long before oh, i could God. finish it and i was like damn you jacob because now i'll never be able to do something as cool as his version he did it he did it like the proms with the metropole orchestra oh, yeah. and oh, take yeah. six and yeah. Um, the, and the name of the Moroccan musician, I can't remember. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, now I have to just let, let go of that dream. <laughs> yeah. Was that the same album he did? Um, uh, uh, this, the police song, every little, was it, um, every little thing you think. yeah, every little thing he, I, I just thought he nailed that. That's so his vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, well. If you dare to do that song, you yeah. better you better kill it. 
And he, and he did. And he did. So, so yeah, I, so you do have a folder. Is it a manila or a digital folder? A little of everything. I have still like a, a shelf of, uh, you know, just folders and folders and folders of paper, snippets, draw, a drawer of like songwriting ideas. I've been thinking maybe my next, um, my next album could be like, almost like a, a scrapbook approach to yeah, writing. Yeah. It could be just like I reach into the drawer and pull out an idea that I jotted down like 20 years ago and then turn it into a song. Like that could be the, that could be the basis for every song or the common thread. Yeah. But, but and not covers, you mean songs that you thought about writing and yeah, and... sorry, I switched, I switched the, no, I, I, I switched I, gears. I'm hanging in there. The, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny when you, you covers. I remember when uh, Pat Matheny um, did an album of uh, acoustic guitar uh, covers. Mm. And I remember getting the album and saying, oh, I can't believe, you know, one of my favorite artists in the whole world is doing a whole album of covers. And then, of course, I put it on and I said, yeah, nobody can do it like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like. The guy has the the knack of making one note, just play that one note and it just grabs you. That's the thing. Like if you if you can use the the cover as a vehicle for self-expression, if you can use it as a vehicle also for it's it's like um it's a really powerful tool for reaching people who wouldn't normally be drawn to your music. Mm -hmm. Um and and if you do it in a in an authentic way, then they are drawn to your music because they're like, oh, I know this song. I remember this from and like, oh, wow, this is a different way of doing it. I kind of like this. I wonder what else they do, you know. So it it really it really can be useful if it's done well. But the alternative is that it's like cheap and yeah. boring. <laughs> it, 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 it's well, and, and 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 maybe maybe that defines you in a way, if I could. Um you know, you, you're, you don't mind getting in front of danger. <laughs> Definitely not to a fault. So this, when, it, when is the new, the new album's coming out like any day now, aren't you? It's coming out on Ground Up, which has already been announced. Um, and Ground Up is the label. Mike, yeah, yeah label. exactly. So it's really, I mean, I, I, I can't think of like a better home for this record. I, I have so many it's insane the number of collaborators that I ended up having on the record. Like it, it, it blows my mind. And and I was there. Yeah. Um, can, but, are, can you divulge on on one or two? I mean, I could read all forty of them to you. Let me just pull up collaborators. I kept um, all my vinyl records from the day I began collecting, and wow, I'm, I'm so excited. I have like I want to say like twenty thousand. Dang. Vinyl records. They're in storage now. Yeah, you have to put them in your in storage so your kids don't steal They'll them. Sell them. They'll sell, sell them. They'll sell them. All. There's some, you know, Beatles albums in there. Okay, put a timer on me. I'm going to read 40 names. Are you ready? Mark, get set, go. Alan Hampton, Bob Lanzetti, Bobby Sparks, Bill Campbell, Bill Stevens, Chris Tordini, Corey Wong, David Crosby, Eric Lenz, Hamilton Berry, Jeff Babco, Jacob Collier, Jan Ezra, Jason Lindner, Jordan Perlson, Joshua Lopez, Josh Meese, Jules Buckley, Justin Berger, Justin Stanton, Kaveh Rastagar, Keita Ogawa, Larry Goldings, Laura Perudine, Lenny Falwell, Liam Robinson, Marcelo Woloski, 
Mark Latiri, Max ZT, Michael Mazmaher, Michael Mayo, Michelle Willis, Mike League, Nate Worth, Nathan Schramm, Nick Hard, Roosevelt Collier, Ryan Scott, and then the Children's Choir, Ella Hard, Tallulah Hard, James Corman, Leela Corman, Sadie Stevens, Julianne Stevens. The end. Wow, that that's like an encyclopedia. <laughs> I know, of all J names. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, you know, we, we, uh, we look forward to hearing I look forward to hearing it. I hope you can... Um, part with a a, a a sample of what is on this project that we're all waiting for and I, I look forward to hearing it and it was absolutely wonderful to talk to you and and to learn more about you hey i'll be happy to send you something top secret that you can't share with anyone yet your secret's safe with me <laughs> all right like your guitars <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so much becca Good to talk to you, and I'll, I'll hopefully talk to you soon. Look forward to it. Thanks. for today's episode. I'd like to thank Becca Stevens for joining us on the podcast today. I'd also like to take a minute to thank this episode's sponsors. They include Smoke Sessions Records. They've got a new album out right now by tenor saxophonist George Coleman. It's called The Quartet. You can learn more about it at smokesessionsrecords.com. Another big thanks to Blue Note Records, currently celebrating their 80th anniversary with a bunch of cool musical initiatives. To check out everything they've got going on, visit bluenote.com. Another thanks to ECM Records. They've got a new album out right now by Enrico Rava and Joe Lovano. You can learn more about it at ecmrecords.com. Thanks also to the streaming service Deezer. We regularly curate playlists on this platform. To check out our latest, visit deezer.com and search for Jazz Is. Thanks also to jazzradio.com, featuring more than 35 channels of curated jazz music for free online. You can visit them at jazzradio.com to learn all about it. Thanks also to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, New Jersey, on the calendar for them in November, a performance by the one and only Chaka Khan. It's taking place November 14th. For tickets and more info, visit njpac.org. That's njpac.org. Another big thanks to the Jazz at Lincoln Center, one of New York's premier musical venues. On November 28th, they'll be hosting a Thanksgiving concert with Wycliffe Gordon. In addition to a night of great music by the trombonist, attendees will also be treated to a three-course meal. For tickets and more info, visit jazz.org. And thanks also to Quest TV, the world's first subscription video on-demand platform dedicated to jazz. It has been called the Netflix of jazz. To learn more and to view their entire video archive, visit quest.tv. That's Q-W-E-S-T TV. And finally, thanks to the U.S. Navy band Commodore's Jazz Ensemble, currently celebrating their 50th anniversary. They've got concert dates around the country. If you want to catch them in action, visit our website and click the Navy band Commodore's banner. Lastly, hey, independent artists, if you'd like to get your album into the hands of a Jazz Is editor, yes, including me, be sure to visit jazzis.com and submit your info via our Inside Track program. Not only will you get your album posted on our site, but it will make its way 
directly to the inbox of a Jazziz editor. Visit jazziz.com and click submit your music in the top navigation bar. You're on your way to getting a review on jazzes.com. That'll do it for me, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Oh, and leave us a five-star review because that really helps too. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.